Thank you, Brent, for that devotional <clears throat> this morning. I, I'm not sure about the the thought that he shared there about if you see someone looking down, um, that he, uh, he he has pride, because I find it the older I get, the more I have to look down to make sure I watch where I step. <laughs> so I'm not sure about that. The title of my message this morning is A Life of Obedience. A Life of Obedience. And along with what Brent shared, I have a little story. This is a true story about two of my brothers, Brother Irv and Ed. And they were born three days less than a year apart. So they are very close together when they were at home. Where one was, the other one was. But one did, the other one did. And we had company from northern Indiana one weekend. And these two guys each had a pony. And they were told not to do this by dad. Dad told them not to do this because somebody's going to get hurt. Well, they wanted to show the cousins and all these people how fast they could go with these ponies and how short they could stop. And uh, so, you know, it, it, this is a, a part of, uh, of not being obedient and also a little bit of pride that was, that was involved here. Well, anyway, after a couple trips out in the patch and then up to the barn, and then they, they would, they would uh, when the ponies would get on the cement, they would stop, and then the, the ponies would slide on this cement right up to the, right up to the door. And, uh, <laughs> well, lo and behold, the last trip, here comes Irv, wide open with this pony. And the pony couldn't stop. It was sliding and sliding and sliding. And when it got to the water tank, it went right on through the water tank. It had a little hole on the other side, and it peeled Irv right off and right in the water tank. And all these people were laughing. But Irv came out of there pretty... Pretty down, and his pride was uh, went went uh, out the door that day. <laughs> but anyway, a life of obedience. You know, we as children of God, we need to fight the good fight of faith, do we not? And to lay hold on eternal life, as First Timothy tells us there, whereunto thou art also called. And has professed a good profession before many witnesses, I give thee charge in the sight of God that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we are given this charge to fight the good fight of faith. Way back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, where, uh, you know, we, we see the account there of the hostility between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. And how the, the, the fall of man since that time, there's been a fight between good and evil. And for us to, to be faithful and to, to um, keep our eyes upon the Lord Jesus. And to live a life of total obedience and surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, um, that's what this message is about. And I'm going to look at several different things in the Old Testament as well as the New. Um, 
But first of all, there was a, there was a, there's a true story about a man about a man in Tennessee, his name was Alvin York. And um, he, was, uh, he was born in Tennessee. He was a straight shooting, hard drinking, brawling, uh, very determined young man who, who became the, the most famous American hero of World War I. And by this and through this I say, he grew up on a farm hunting in the mountains and causing trouble. But when he met Jesus Christ, his life changed completely. He stopped doing all those things. And folks could see that he was a different man. But it was in the, the event of the First World War that most clearly brought that change to light. He no longer liked the idea of a fight. So he applied for status uh, as a conscientious objector, a CEO. And, well, his request um, was denied. And so he entered the war as a private. He was encouraged by his commander, Major uh, Burton, to study the scriptures to see whether they actually required him to take such a stand. And after much study and soul searching, in September of 1918, everything broke loose. And, uh, you know, war broke out, artillery shells, um, skeletons of, of uh, shattered trees and, and uh, burnt trees. So that, you know, it, it was just a horrible, horrible scene on the face of the earth. And uh, Alvin York, York uh, through this situation... He won the stripes of a sergeant and uh, undying love of millions of Americans because he concluded that God's orders to him required him to obey the orders of the army. Um, and through that, he would receive many honors and worldwide for his courage for what he'd done in leading his men to victory. Um, because of what he believed in and what the scriptures taught him, he he done what he knew what was right and obeyed God. And the reward that meant the most to him was the knowledge that many men would live because he had done so, so much to stop the killing. To stop the killing. It was a, it was a, a, a horrible time. Well, anyway, this morning as we think a life, uh, think about the title, The Life of uh, Obedience, you know, first of all, we can see in the, in the Old Testament um, where many um, were persecuted and those who persecuted them um, and the situations and how, you know, uh, Moses, for an example, he, he was being persecuted. Who was the persecutor? It was the Israelites, his own people. And uh, over and over and over, they, they complained and murmured and and carried on. You know, the, we can see the, the David um, and, and the persecutor of, of, of Saul himself persecuting David. He was becoming a powerful leader and it was threatening Saul's position as king. But David and Moses and Elijah and Elisha 
And all these, they were obedient to the call of God and uh, what God wanted them to do. Um, Zechariah, he was being persecuted by Joash. Zechariah confronted the people of Judah for disregarding God's word. But he was faithful. And even through that, <clears throat> the result, Zechariah was executed. You know, um, Elisha ignored the threatening persecution and prophesied the famine's end. Um, Elijah had to flee for his life. Why? Because they were living a life of obedience. Uriah. Uriah confronted Joachim about his evil ways. But what happened? He was killed with a sword. And then we have the account of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were persecuted by Nebuchadnezzar. The three men refused to bow down to anyone but God. You know, I often have to think about that situation, there, that setting. You know, there, there they were in the midst of this multitude of people. And they were told that at the, at the sound of the cornet and the flute and the, and the harp and all that, they were to bow down. But they were determined in their heart. They had, they had made that covenant with God that they would not do that. A life of total obedience. What did it do? What did it cause? Uh, what, what happened to them? Well, because of not bowing down, they were thrown into the fiery furnace. And they thought that was the end of them, the people. But God miraculously saved them. In fact, Nebuchadnezzar, when he looked into the fiery furnace, he said, did we not throw three men into there? But I see a fourth. It was Jesus Christ in the midst of this fire. <clears throat> and he'll do the same today for you and I. And I believe this morning, brothers and sisters, that we are going to, we're going to walk into uh, fiery times yet. I believe those times are ahead of us. And I believe that this morning that we need to have that uh, so implanted in our hearts, in our minds, our lives, as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that even though we're thrown into the fire, Jesus Christ is going to go with us. He's going to be with us. And we're going we're gonna to be victorious. It's only through Him. It's only through Him. <clears throat> And so this morning, may God help us to, to, uh, to uh, be obedient to that which he has called us to. Um, we have many other situations. <clears throat> Job, you know, he was persecuted by Satan. Satan wanted to prove that that uh, pain and suffering would make a person abandon God. It would make him come away and to pull away and to, to turn his back on God. But Job remained faithful and obedient to God, and he was restored. The Bible said he ended up with more than what he had in the beginning. You know, God was faithful. God is faithful and always will be. <clears throat> Peter and John, the religious leaders, um, were, were uh, persecuted them. You might say it was kind of their own people, you know, that persecuted them. And told them not to preach and to do what they were doing because they were causing so much stir 
and uprising and, and uh, chaos and confusion amongst them. They, were, they told them to quit. But they preached that Jesus was God's son and the only way to salvation. And they didn't back down from that. They didn't walk away from that. They didn't turn their back on. But because of that, because of their lives, because of being obedient to God, they were thrown into prison. But what happened? Later they were released. Because God brought an earthquake about. And it shook the walls of that prison. And the chains fell off of them. Even to the point where the guard said, you know, what must I do? You know, he came to them, what must I do to be saved? And, and they told him to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Stephen, again, who was being, uh, being persecuted by his own people, the religious leaders. <clears throat> and he was, he was, it was because of, of uh, Stephen, expo he exposed their guilt in crucifying Christ for what they'd done to the Lord Jesus. What was the result? Stephen was stoned to death. Can you imagine? Can you imagine this morning a death like being stoned to death? One stone after another coming, you know, not knowing where you're going to be hit and eventually fading out and passing out and dying because of being stoned to death. But Stephen didn't back down. He lived a life of obedience. <clears throat> James, you know, he was being persecuted by Herod Agrippa. Why? To please the Jewish rulers, ruler, leaders. And because of that, James was executed. <clears throat> John, it was probably the Romans. John told others about Jesus. He was not ashamed. He was being obedient to God for his calling. What happened to John? He was sent um, into exile on, a, on the island. <clears throat> Iowa Patmos. I have a, an account in the Old Testament. Actually, there's a, a couple, two or three of them here that kind of run together. To talk about individuals, um, kings. You know, there was evil kings and there was good kings. And there was probably more evil kings than what there was good kings. I don't know, I didn't, I didn't take a time to count it. But I think one, one uh, thing that I read was like 33 evil kings versus so many good kings. It was not very many good kings. But anyway, here in Second Chronicles chapter 20, um, we have the account of Jehoshaphat. And uh, it says there in verse 3, when the nation was faced with disaster. Now, you know, this morning we think when the nation was back in, in, in that time, um, the nation was faced with, I wonder what Jehoshaphat would say when he would see it now. When he would see the, the, the uh, chaos and, and the the mess that this nation is in today. I wonder what he would say. But anyway, in that time frame, Jehoshaphat called upon the people to get serious with God. He called upon them to get serious with God by going without food for a designated time to fast and pray. 
He called for them to do that by separating themselves from the daily routine of food preparation and eating. They could devote themselves that extra time to considering their sin and praying to God for help. And through that, you know, hunger pangs would re reinforce their feelings of penitence and remind them of their weaknesses and their dependence upon God. Fasting even today, can still be helpful as we seek God's will in, in special situations. And I believe, you know, I, I don't think that we do enough of that today. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm ashamed to say I don't fast like I should at all. And, but I believe that God wants his people to do that. And we probably should do that more often. Anyway, Jehoshaphat's prayer had several essential um, ingredients that he prayed to God for on behalf of the people and the nation for the situation that they were in. Number one, he committed the situation to God. And that's the first thing we need to do. We commit the situation to God, acknowledging that only God can save the nation. And that's exactly where we're at this morning. You know, you and I, we can't change the world, but we can help make a difference. And that is by praying, by fasting, and by committing it to God, like Jehoshaphat did, committing the situation to God. Because of this, you know, this movement that is taking place, that is so rampant and so uh, forceful, and, you know, that of calling this month out of the year Pride Month, proud, you know, Pride Month, sickening. Because of what they do and how they believe and how they live. Number two, Jehoshaphat sought God's favor because his people were God's people. His people were God's people. And number three, he acknowledged God's um, sovereignty over the current situation. He acknowledged that God knew all things. And he knew that God could take care of that if, if he so desired. He praised God's glory and took comfort in his promises. And last of all, he professed complete dependence on God, not himself for deliverance, to be God's kind of leader. And I believe this morning, to be a leader today, we need to follow Jehoshaphat's example. He was a, a good king. He was a king that stood up for righteousness and lived a life of obedience he focused entirely on god's power rather than his own later on in that chapter chapter 20 we see about in verse 15 as the enemy bore down on judah god spoke through jehaziel now remember jehaziel was the son of zechariah who was the king at this time and he says here, be not afraid, for the battle is not yours, but God's. We may not fight an enemy army, but every day we battle temptation, pressure, and the rulers of darkness of this world. And it gets rougher and rougher and tougher and tougher to live a life of obedience. We're faced more and more as the days go on of <clears throat> these things that are around us. But may God help us because, as he told Jehaziel, 
Be not afraid, for the battle is not yours, but God's. And that's the same this morning with each one of us. And so as time went on, Jehoshaphat met disaster. In other words, I believe what happened in the middle of this, uh, of this situation here at the time uh, of all this uproar and upheaval, uh, he met disaster. In other words, he was, he was, I think he was wore down. I think Jehoshaphat was wore down and uh, he, uh, he, he started caving in and not being honest, not being faithful and obedient like he should have been. And uh, the Bible tells us here that he joined forces with wicked king Ahaziah. He did not learn from his disastrous um, alliance with Ahab back in chapter 18 or from his father's alliance with Syria. And the partnership stood on unequal footing. It was not a good partnership. And I believe it's something this morning that, that we need to keep in mind as children of God, as believers, that we be careful who we partner up with in business. That was the case here because it was not a good situation. And so as time went on, um, says here, the partnership stood on unequal footing because one man served Yahweh, which is God, and the other worshiped idols. We, um, we court disaster when, when we enter into the partnership with unbelievers because our very foundations differ. It's very important that we make sure that the relationship is on the same ground, same uh, equal ground. <clears throat> and so before entering into partnerships, there's, there's a couple things we need to ask ourselves. What are my motives? Number one. Number two, what problems am I avoiding by seeking this partnership? Number three, is this partnership the best solution? Or is it only a quick solution to my problem? Last one, am I willing to settle for less financial gain in order to do God's will? These are very important questions that we need to ask ourselves. And I think that was the case back here in the time of Jehoshaphat when he went, <coughs> when he joined forces with wicked King Ahazi because he had started breaking down and giving in to um, things that were not right. And again, as time went on, um, we come to chapter 21. Jehoram is now a new king for Judah. And what do you think he did? He married Athaliah. You know who Athaliah was? Her mother was Jezebel. And the Bible makes it very clear that she is one of the wickedest queens that ever was. She was the most wicked woman Israel had ever known because of her horrendous, horrible, terrible things that she'd done and performed. And so Jehoram's marriage to Athaliah was Judah's downfall. For Athaliah brought her mother's wicked influence into Judah. She brought it right with her, 
causing the nation to forget God and to um, Baal worship, turn to Baal worship. But anyway, as we move on in this setting, you know, God had promised uh, them a, that a descendant of David would always be on the throne. <clears throat> well, what happened to this promise when the nation was destroyed and carried away? There were two parts to God's promise. Number one, in the physical sense, as long as there was an actual throne in Judah, a descendant of David would sit upon it. But this part of the promise depended on the obedience of three kings. When they disobeyed, God was not bound to continue David's temporal line. And number two, in the spiritual sense, the promise was completely fulfilled in the coming of Jesus the Messiah. But back to Jehoram, the king. His reign was marked by sin and cruelty. He married a woman who worshipped idols. He even killed his six brothers. Horrible. He allowed and even promoted idol worship. Yet he was not killed in battle or by treachery. <clears throat> but, remember, the Bible tells us that um, how does it say that now? By your sin will find you out. Something to that effect. Be sure, Be sure your sin will find you out. And um, uh, grace. <clears throat> oh, those verses just left me. In, in Galatians, there where it talks about. Um, <laughs> I can't think of it. But anyway, he didn't die in a battle or by treachery. He died by a lingering and painful, horrible disease that ate away at him, at his body, literally. Punished for sin is not always immediate or dramatic. But if we ignore God's laws and are not obedient, we will eventually suffer the consequences of our sin. <coughs> there is no deliverance from punishment until our relationship with him is made right. May God help us this morning that we live a life of obedience. God's word, <coughs> um, when you seek advice, listen carefully because God's word to, to is, is there to prove all things and to hold fast that which is right. And so, although, <clears throat> although it could have cost him, um, could have cost him his life, this priest strengthened himself and did what was right. Um, let me back up a little bit. First of all, after seven years of rule by Athaliah, this wicked woman, the queen mother, Jehodiah, the, the priest finally got his courage. Now no, notice here in this setting, the priest finally got up his courage and took action to get rid of the idolatrous ruler. That was their job. That was their responsibility as a priest to make sure that this stuff is stopped and taken care of. And many times they didn't do that because of, of fear. They, they, were not, they were not 
strong enough to stand up against the the evil that was that was taking place and so to to confront the king or queen with the demands of god's law was supposed to be the role of of every priest in every generation many priests shied away from this but although it could have cost him his life this priest strengthened himself and did what was right restoring the temple worship and anointing the new king and so Therefore, this morning, it tells us that there are times when we, you and I, must take action to correct a wrong or to speak out for what is right when such a situation arises. Gather up courage and act. Be obedient to what God has called us to this morning. Living a life of obedience. I think I shared this little story. It's a true story with you before. Um, but it's, um, it's concerning um, my sister's little granddaughter a year ago. A year ago, um, about this time, a little sooner maybe. They were making garden. They were making garden. And she was told to help plant sweet corn. And her brother... Her brother was older, and he just went along. He, he planted his corn, but she was being disobedient, and she <clears throat> was being naughty, and she was being stubborn, and she didn't want to plant her corn, and, and she just, you know. And finally, her mom told her that, um, can you think of her name right now? said, if you don't straighten up, God is not going to, let that corn grow that you have planted. He's not going to let it grow. And she kind of made, uh, you know, a snobby remark, and, and she still wasn't being obedient. She, she pouted all the rest of the day. And, and uh, because of that remark, or because of what her mom had told her, this started working on her. This really started working on her. And the next morning, the next morning, they couldn't figure out where she was at. And here she was, <coughs> she had gone out in the garden and she was, she was watering where she had planted. Because this was really starting to work on her mind. And, you know, as, as the days went by and the week went by, and pretty soon um, the boy, uh, his corn was poking through. His corn, corn was coming up, but hers wasn't. And after... A week, week and a half, his corn was up and her corn still wasn't up. And this really, really started bothering her. And, you know, she, she went to her mom and she told her mom she was sorry. And she, she you know, had a, she's just a little girl and she just uh, really felt, felt repentant, repentive and, and um, felt bad. And, and uh, pretty soon her corn did come up, but it was like, way behind her brothers. And it was planted at the same time. Now, I don't know, uh, you know, how you see that or how you, but you know, there are consequences to the choices and the things that we make, the decisions we make and the things we say and, and how we act. And, you know, this was, I know this was just a little girl and, and, You know, she was being a naughty little girl and she didn't want to plant her sweet corn. 
when the process, you know, because she was like she was, you know, her mom had told her that God probably won't even let that corn grow because, and it didn't for probably a week or a week and a half after the, her brothers was already up. That's a true story. That's a true account. There's another story I'd like to share with you. A neighbor boy of ours, a couple years ago, we weren't very close to them, but this is what I was told. He, um, he always liked playing with matches. And his dad told him not to play with matches. It's not a, a good habit, but he just loved playing with matches, lighting matches. One day, <clears throat> this little boy, while dad was at work, mom was in the garden, he was in the barn, and he was lighting matches, and he was lighting matches. And the next thing you knew, the barn was on fire. The barn was on fire, and it burnt down. It burnt to the ground. I don't know if that little boy still plays with matches or not, but I believe that that taught him a lesson. It's very important, you know, I know we as parents, we teach our children to be obedient, and that's right, that's good. I think they need to be taught the importance of that because there are consequences to not being obedient. <clears throat> you know, Noah was asked to build a massive boat back in Genesis, which made him the laughingstock of his community. Can you imagine? I've often wondered how it was like living back in the days of Noah. You know, it had not rained. You know, we're, we're, we're hopefully going to get rain here this afternoon. Because we haven't had rain for a couple of days. Things are kind of getting dry. But here in this account in Genesis, it had not rained up until this point. And when God told Noah to build this ark, and he told him how wide, how long, how high... And what all to put in this ark, <clears throat> everything, the people laughed him to scorn. He was the laughing stock of his community. Noah was obedient to the calling of God. When God said, Noah, build an ark, because there's going to be a flood. And this flood, it was because of the because of the uh, of uh, the sins of man and because of the uh, you know man had fallen away from God and and there the the evil that was taking place you know when God says something <clears throat> he means it he's serious he didn't just say that to fill up the pages in the Bible he told Noah to do that and Noah was preaching this is what amazes me he was trying to tell them for 120 years. Now that, that's a long time, I would think. But really, in God's eyes, it's just a short time. But, but he, in 120 years, he was trying to tell the people that if you want to be saved, you need to get into the boat. Well, lo and behold, it started raining. Remember, it hadn't rained before until that day and then it didn't stop 
it rained and rained for 40 days and 40 nights. And the people perished because of their wickedness, because of their evilness, because they wouldn't be obedient and follow the Lord, follow Moses. <clears throat> Joshua, another account, was told to march around Jericho for seven days instead of um, relying on the military tactics he knew. Again, another wonderful, beautiful story and account. It's a true story of how God spoke through Joshua and told him how to take Jericho. Amazing. Amazing. You know, the first, first day they come, they march around the city. The second day, the seventh, you know, until the seventh day, they come, they march around it seven times on the seventh day. And he told them that when we get to a certain point, he wants them to blow the trumpet. I just, I can't imagine what that sounded like. But it was because of their obedience, Joshua's obedience, a life of obedience, that God was able to perform through those trump that trumpet sound. You know, marching around the city, I don't know what significance that has with it, but I believe that there was, there's something to that. But the blowing of the trumpet meant that this is it. And the walls came tumbling down. And so this morning, time is rapidly moving on. As believers, we must, number one, believe that God is sovereign. He controls all things at all times. God is good. God is faithful. Number two, trust that he will work for our good in every situation and circumstance. Romans 8, 28. <clears throat> Man, my mind is just blank this morning. Why can't I even quote that verse? Romans 8, 28. All things work together for, thank you, for the, <clears throat> for the good, for those that, uh, that love God. Be courageous. Obeying God takes courage because following His will often leads to conflict. If you're faithful and obedient to God, you're going to suffer persecution. The Bible tells us that. Bible tells us that we will suffer persecution. And so we must be willing to do what is right anyway. Even though if it means being thrown into the fiery furnace. As Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Fully surrender to him. Because in the end, you will be victorious. The results of obedience. You will experience personal victory if you follow his will. Obedience leads to supernatural peace and joy in every circumstance. Spiritual growth and maturity results when believers continue to walk with God in the midst of suffering. I know this morning that we're not a very large group here, but I can assure you that every one of us have experienced some sort of 
of uh, uh, loss or suffering that we've experienced and gone through. And they're all different. They're all different. And I believe God takes us through those times for a reason. I think it's because he wants us to look to him and to be obedient to him, be faithful to him. So this morning, as we close this message, a life of obedience, when you need to make an important decision, don't rely primarily on your own reasoning or the opinions of others or even what worked in the past. Get on your knees before the Lord and pour out your heart. Spend time prayerfully reading his word, listening for his voice, as we can see and read in many, many situations in, in, in scriptures in the Old Testament as well as the New, and then follow his specific guidance for your life. God is faithful. He will not let you down. Let's be obedient to his call. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we thank you for the blessing that has again been ours of being together.